The following podcast is presented by the Women in Comedy Festival as part of the WICF Podcast Network. Check us out at WICF.com slash podcasts. This is Adapted with Anna and Sam. We love books and we love movies. Warning, here be spoilers. Welcome to Adapted with Anna and Sam. I'm Anna. And I'm Sam. In this podcast, we talk about a book, we talk about a movie or a TV show based on that book, we play some fun games, and we encourage you to read and watch along with us. And today we actually have a very special announcement. We are thrilled to say that uh, Adapted with Anna and Sam has joined the Women in Comedy Festival podcast network. The uh, <laughs> light, light applause, light applause. Uh, the Women in Comedy Festival is an institution here in the Boston area. They're run by fabulous women supporting the work of fabulous, funny comedians, especially women. Um, and we're just so, just so excited to be associated with such wonderful people making wonderful, funny things happen. And since we are, like, on occasion funny sometimes we're sometimes a little funny <laughs> we, we, we were talking earlier we find ourselves funny yay. yay we rock so that's our first announcement um and then our second announcement is just kind of to call back to last episode we just wanted to say that we are starting to plan season two and we'd love to hear your ideas send us your favorite adaptations that you'd love to hear us talk about um that you want to get involved in that you already have your six degrees planned out for mm-hmm. Um, they can be good adaptations, bad they adaptations. Could be adaptations. <laughs> they could be questionable adaptations that you think are good, but you're not sure if anybody else does. We, I have a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> <Clearly>. <laughs> um, and we're also, you know, Anne and I have some ideas too. So we're thinking of setting up some polls to kind of get your, your, your thoughts on what we're thinking of for the second season. We'll be soliciting feedback before Christmas. Definitely. Um, so we're really looking forward to, to starting season two. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yay. Um, and just to give you guys an idea, we're probably um, going to start up season two sometime in March or April, depending on. Yeah, we're going to take a little. We're going to take a little winter break slash maternity leave. Yes, one of us is pregnant. It's not me. It's not Rupert. <laughs> wow. No, it's not Rupert. Okay, so for like so many reasons, it's not Rupert. Do I have to explain the biology here, Sam? Like, I know you're not actually interested in childbirth, but no. there's a few things they really should have covered in health class. Well, I did go to the poorest state, the poorest school in the state, so. But no, we actually had health health education, so yeah, it, it was no. fine. Also, like, didn't you grow up on a farm? Don't you know how baby animals... Our main- yes. Oh, okay. Yes, we had rabbits. We we. I know. <laughs> I, just, I just want to say, <laughs> Rupert can't be pregnant. He got a C in gender. <laughs> I took him to the vet, and it's on his admission form. There was a C for gender, and I'm like, I didn't know that was an option. Was was it really that mediocre? And it's for because he's castrated. Yes. Oh. Get your cat spayed or neutered, guys. Yeah. Okay. Good All announcement. Right. Well, I think <laughs> so. To this episode. Done. <laughs> we will be talking about Crooked House by Agatha Christie. Oh, let's just say I know why this movie went straight to Amazon Prime. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. Burn. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, 
I was I was so looking forward to this movie. I was so excited when I saw the trailer. Mm-hmm. It is an overwhelmingly talented cast mm-hmm. with underwhelming results. So underwhelming. I it's mean, we'll mad. get into this more, but at least Glenn Close was oh amazing. God. Oh, she is she is a legend. She is a god who walks among us. Yes, and she she is worth the price of admission. Being that it's free on Amazon Prime. <laughs> as long as you have Amazon Prime, it's free. <laughs> um, she is she is worth watching the movie, um, but don't get too invested in it in, is my recommendation. You know what? It's fine to drink heavily before it you is. watch it. You don't need to pay close attention. No. I know I did. <laughs> I didn't. But no, Rupert did. Rupert got That's wasted. That's why he got a C in gender. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shall we do our six degrees? Sure. Would you like to go first? I would. So we watched Hunt for Red October last. So to get from uh, the bottom of the sea in a Russian sub to a British country house takes six steps. We're going to start with Jeffrey Jones. Love it. He was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off with Jennifer Grey. Who was in Dirty Dancing with Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach was long-standing star of Law & Order with Sam Waterston. Who was in the newsroom with Jeff Daniels. Who was in 101 Dalmatians (laughs) with Glenn Close. I should have known you were going to go with that movie. Why wouldn't I go with 101 Dalmatians? (laughs) It's a modern classic. It is also an adaptation. They got... Her license plate wrong. I forgot. What? In the in the Glenn Close version of the movie. The live action one. The live action movie. The license plate is Dev Ill instead of Deville. Oh. Don't you? Yeah. That is. Sorry, I clapped in Whoa, the microphone. Don't but clap. Can we, uh. Yeah. What? Yeah. Why? Right. Uh, yeah. The cartoon is so good too. It really like is. It, and this was before the big rush of like all the Disney movies yeah. being made into live action. Yeah. yeah. That they're doing now. Which I mean, I'm not wholly objecting to. There's but they don't need to do every single movie. Hits and misses. Mm-hmm. Hits and misses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they did. Um, that movie, the Glenn Close live action movie, is the reason why we got a dog named Lucky, or why oh. we named our puppy Lucky when I was nice. a kid. Nice. That's very nice. She did not have spots. They don't all have to. No, she was not a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my little sister was obsessed with that movie, and she wanted a Lucky. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. So what are your six degrees? All right. So I had this grand idea of working all of the Jack Ryans into my six degrees. That sounds like the kind of thing I would do. And it's still the kind of thing you would do because I did it for about five minutes and I was like, nope, too hard. I'm moving on. This is done. So what I, up. what I did was instead I used the first one and the latest one in one step. Okay. And that was it. Um, so I started with Alec Baldwin, who is in It's Complicated with John Krasinski. John Krasinski is in Away We Go with Maya Rudolph. Oh, she's another just fantastically right? funny SNL alum. Yep. Maya Rudolph is in Friends with Kids with Kelly Bishop. Kelly Bishop is in Wonder Boys with Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas is in Fatal Attraction with Glenn Close. There she is. And Glenn Close is in Cricket House. <laughs> hey, Rupert, do you know what they did to that rabbit in Fatal Attraction? Just so maybe you should shut up. Just a heads up. 
That could be you. You could be the rabbit, dude. Just, we got to put bunny ears on you, we'd be fine. I've got bunny ears. I have them. (laughs) It's done. I have a pair of bunny ears, Rupert. (laughs) Oh, this episode is already, it's the, the tension is already seeping into us. It is, right? Well, we know the movie's so bad, I feel like we need to, we need to really amp the humor up early on. Is the movie that bad? Is it like threatening to murder an innocent animal bad? Um... I mean, I should probably say no, <laughs> but I feel like I feel like it's a yes. <laughs> uh, well then, shall we talk about the movie a little? No, we should talk about the book first. I forgot. Okay. I forgot. We, we, it's not like we've done the exact same order for every episode ever know, right? since no. the beginning of time. The book came first. Sam, would you like to tell us about the book? Sure. <laughs> I would love to. Thank you. So Cricket House by Agatha Christie was first published in 1949. This book, as well as Ordeal by Innocence, are actually Christie's favorites of her own work, and they're actually not associated in any way with Hercule Poirot or Miss Marple, two of her most famous sleuths. That's true. They are they are the, the true standalones. Although there have been fil- film adapta- film and television adaptations that shoehorn in those famous characters. And I get why they sure. do it. They're running out of material. <laughs> There's only so many. There's only so many, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, original? ideas work too she did have other characters she did she She did though i actually we i don't think they ever came to the state but they did make um tommy and tumpence like a miniseries with them it's david starring david williams and jessica rain i believe but i don't think they ever came here oh yeah that'll be worth checking out i enjoy tommy and tumpence oh me too so i was looking forward to them coming over here but they never did anyways when were those made Mm. Like recent? Yeah, they were like four or five years ago, maybe. Well, if so that. hold out hope. Maybe we'll get them. Cross your fingers. Oh, do we have to get like the brick box? Oh, we have British probably yeah, sling or something like that. Ugh. Man, There's so many streaming services now, and I just I can only afford so much. It's like I could. Well, I can only spend so much time in front of my TV <laughs> before my kid starts to miss me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, back to Cricket House. Yeah, no, you should do your book report. Yeah, yeah. I know. I got my first sentence out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's one of those episodes. Oh, God. Anyways. So Charles Hayward is working in Cairo at the end of World War II when he meets and falls in love with Englishwoman Sophia Leonides. Leonides. The two agree to put off becoming engaged until after the war when they are, be- when they are back in England because that's what you do. Um, however, when Hayward returns home, he discovers that Sophia's grandfather, Aristide Leonides, has been poisoned. Uh-oh. Dun, dun, dun. Right. What is this, an Agatha Christie novel? What? Poison? Who does that? It's mysterious deaths. Wealthy. <laughs> Wealthy older men. That's so bizarre that that happened. Foreign older men? Hmm. Someone, so- used, someone used Aristide's own eye medicine to do him in. Sophia, of course, can no longer marry Hayward until her grandfather's murder has been solved. This, by the way, is why I never drink my saline. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, that's what you do when you get home. You just you pour yourself you a glass your, of saline. Uh, yeah, but no, apparently it's... It's very bad. It could be really bad for It you. could be very bad. Um, so, Charles Hayward, who is... His father is the Assistant Commissioner of Scotland Yard, and he is commissioned by his father to help solve the crime by infiltrating the crooked house of the title, uh, the, Leonid- the Leonides House named Three Gables. And so the house is basically this started out as a small college, small cottage, and kind of um, as uh, Aristide's family moved back in or was 
born, he just kind of built up. So it's like this really crazily built house. Hodgepodge. It's like wings everywhere. And basically, I think in one of the sections, she like describes it as three houses together into one. And everybody has like their own kitchen and wing and all that fun stuff. Um, Sophia has been living there along with the entire Leonides clan that is still living. Aristide and his second much younger wife, Brenda, his youngest son, Sophia's father, Philip, and Philip's actress wife, Magda, and along with her two other children, Eustace, 16, and Josephine, 12. Philip's elder brother, Roger, is also there with his wife, Clemency, as well as um, Sophia and Eustace's, I mean, Josephine and Eustace's tutor, Lawrence Brown. Also living there is Edith de Havilland, who is Aristide's first wife's sister, if you want to keep all of that straight. That's a lot of people. If you need to write this down, that's fine. It's fine. We it, understand. You know, character list is always helpful. Just check off. Uh, Roger was Aristide's favorite, favorite son and ran parts of the family business, even though he had no sense of business whatsoever and actually tended to run them into the ground. Um, however, his father bailed him out of trouble each time. And so, of course, Philip resents Roger for, for all of this and spends his time studying history and writing plays, and it's all jolly good fun. <laughs> um, so Charles is invest- secretly investigating the members of the family with Sophia, because, you know, you can't keep secrets from your love. Um, so Eustace is super annoying, and of course Josephine <laughs> fancies herself a spy slash crime solver, and she's constantly writing secrets in her notebook. So she and Charles bond. Uh, over trying to crack the case. Yes. Because so Josephine's always like, I know who did it. I have secrets. La, la, la. And Charles like, share with me. And Josephine's like, no. Mm. And he's like, share with me. No. Does she, she also like hints that she's hiding stuff from the police too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. You know, the typical 12 year old girl. girls, mm-hmm. man. Um, everyone suspects, well, okay, really wants it to be Brenda and Lawrence. The Brenda, family. Brenda and Lawrence or possibly just Brenda alone like it's or Brenda or Lawrence like there's different combinations yeah I think I feel like you know they'd be happy for or if it were at least Brenda and if (laughs) minimum Brenda if Lawrence were included included there as well no harm done um the family are convinced that Brenda is just after the family's money um however Aristide has in fact left all the money to Sophia the only members of his family he thought was strong enough to assume his place as head of the family. Hmm. Um, sometime in the story, Josephine is attacked and left unconscious after she told everyone she knew who the killer was. Bum, bum, bum. What? Um, and so after this happens, while Charles is investigating, he actually finds love letters between Brenda and Lawrence, and so they are arrested for Aristide's murder. Oh. Because I think in the love letters, they're like, talk about how, oh, I wish you were gone. I wish we could be together. So, of course, that means they killed him. You know what? If you're going to kill your husband, don't write love letters to your right? boyfriend. I feel like that's a rookie mistake. That is a rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. Or if, if you, like, decide after writing some love letters, I'm going to murder my husband. Burn them. Burn the love letters. Burn them. <sighs> I feel like there's not. It's like they haven't read an Agatha Christie novel no, or something. right? And I feel like. There has to be at least one fireplace in this entire right? entire house. <laughs> There's four kitchens, but no fireplaces. Right? I feel it's like mm, not really feasible. Or maybe it is really confusing. It's like there's a fireplace around here somewhere, but I can never find it. it That's true. It's not in any expected room. Or like, I know there's matches around here somewhere. <laughs> Just ask Nanny for every match. I'm sure she'll give it to you. That's why you have servants. Right? I assume. 
Well, I don't have any. I mean, I've never had any, so let us know. Is that what servants are for? Hey, write in to Adapted with Sam and let us know. What's it like having servants? Do they know where the matches are? Do you have matches in your own houses? We don't know. Inquiring minds want to know. Oh, goodness. Uh, so, however, while Lawrence and Brenda are in custody, the children's nanny, nanny. called Nanny. Does she have a name? She does. Do we know it? We do. I don't remember what it is, okay. though. <laughs> so, like, it's somewhere. Edith, Edith writes it in her letter. Uh, okay. And, yeah, she, like, writes the person's name, and then they have to say, this is Nanny. And you're like, oh. It's like Jane Brown or something like that. I don't know. Something Jane, simple. Jane Smith. Yeah. Um, where was I? Oh, right. So while the two suspected murderers are in custody, the children's, the children's nanny is poisoned after she drinks hot chocolate, which had been laced with digitalis. Oof. Oh my God. So funny story. Um, I was posting my lease to my landlords today and I have the forever stamps that are flowers mm-hmm. and the stamp I posted today was digitalis. I was like, oh, hey, oh. I know what that is. Do you want to know what Nanny's real name is? Yes, please. It's Janet Rowe. Oh, I was so close. You're so close. So close. Ugh. Wow, Janet. See, very... Poor Janet. I know. Poor Janet. Murdered by Forever Stamp. <laughs> it was a very pretty stamp. It was orange and pink and said Digitalis at the top. If you ever sent me a letter, then I would know. I don't have to send you a letter. I live right down the street from you. you're in my house every week also we text each other wow modern communication but it's ruined our love of stamps it really has Mm. I know I was like looking for the stamp I was like I hope I have them I can't remember the last time I made something (laughs) and of course I had just organized my house so I couldn't find them Um, okay so back to the hot cocoa but the hot cocoa had been initially meant for Josephine. <gasps> so, of course, this means Brenda and Lawrence are innocent. So, of course, this means that Brenda and Lawrence are innocent. But who could possibly be the killer but another member of the Leonides family? <gasps> who could it be? Shock. I don't know. Um, so, of course, Charles tries to convince Josephine to tell him who she thinks is the murderer, but she refuses because she's a 12-year-old. That's what they do. Uh, but in the meantime, Edith takes Josephine out for a drive to get ice cream, which is apparently um, really meaning, I'm going to drive us off a cliff and kill us. I was going to say, I told Rupert I was going to get taken for ice cream when we got him castrated, so. Why similar. is it always we're telling somebody they're going to ice cream and it's actually something horrible that's going to happen? Um, so they don't, because you don't tell someone, I'm going to drive you off a cliff? I mean, that's fair. They won't get in the car, Sam. Rupert's a cat. Yeah. He also doesn't like ice cream, so it really didn't help. All right. That's fair. (laughs) It's totally fair. But yeah, so Edith Edith kills herself and Josephine by driving off a cliff. Oh, that's not funny. I can't laugh at that. No, I'm sorry. It's really sad. Um, So why would Edith do such a thing? So Charles finds two letters from Edith after the tragedy. The first one is addressed to Chief Assistant Taverner. Chief Inspector Taverner, sorry, mm-hmm. um, where Edith confesses ish uh, by accepting responsibility for the deaths of Aristide and Nanny. 
in the second one, which is meant for Charles Charles alone, and he can share with Sophia if he so chooses, which of course he does. Edith reveals that Josephine killed Aristide because he would not let her take ballet lessons. Edith had found Josephine's notebook where she had written everything in the first words in there was today i killed grandfather um nanny had to die because she wanted josephine sent away to school edith killed josephine rather than see her imprisoned or in an asylum but you know it's a happy story ish i guess well it has to have a happy ending because you know poor sophia has had this terrible thing happen to her so she and charles finally agree to marry yay Um, yay. love it always wins in the end yeah. yeah, I guess. Well, that's what Agatha Christie does, though. I mean, she always balances death with... Ro- oh, wow, Rupert has Rupert. thoughts. He does. Rupert Rupert has opinions about romance. Uh, he's not into it, apparently, because hmm. he's castrated. Why are you giving me that look? What <laughs> what kind of romantic <laughs> stories do you think he would experience if he was a None. tomcat? None. Do you it think would he'd be... really be quieter? Oh, no. Yeah. No. He's fine. Yes, spay or neuter your pets, people. Um, but yeah, she, I mean, not in all of her stories, but for the most part. A lot of them. I think, For the um, most part, yeah. Spoiler. And then there were none. That was the one I was going to mention. Was, there was nothing. No. Because there was but really no way for I, that I one feel, to. I think that's the darkest one of yeah. her books. Yep. There's usually, I cannot think of another example where there isn't a, at least one set of young lovers who do come together. So there's a balance between like right. life going on and and death. death. Yes, so I think Christy does a really good job. She of does, and I think that. she like she, be, she is so popular because she gets that balance. Yeah, it's it's, and I think that keeps it from getting too dark and too dragged down. Yes, and, I agree. Um, but yeah, so that is the story of a crooked of crooked house. That is the the novel by Agatha Christie. That is the novel by Agatha Christie. Well done. Thank you. Would you like to report from the balcony? I would love to. <clears throat> so, Crooked House was released in 2017. It was directed by Gilles Paquet-Brenner, or Giles Paquet-Brenner, I don't know, one or the other, and based on a screenplay by Julian Fellows of Downton Abbey fame. The film opens with ominous music and Brenda Leonides, played by Christina Hendricks, preparing a syringe and injecting it into a man's arm. The next shot is, it is a rainy night in London, and a black-and-white newsreel fills us in on the exposition. Legend Aristide Leonides is... Am I saying that right? Aristide Leonides? Leonides, I think. Aristide Leonides is dead, leaving behind a beautiful American widow and at least one grandchild, Sophia. The next morning, that same granddaughter, played by Stephanie Martini, is in the office of private detective Charles Hayward, played by Max Irons, to ask him to investigate before the police get involved. Despite her grandfather's age, she believes there was foul play and that the killer might still be in the house. The discussion quickly turns tense. Clearly, there is a history between these two. Unlike in the book, where Charles and Sophia are in love, but her family presents an obstacle, in the film, Charles and Sophia's relationship ended sometime before, and the ex-lovers are on edge around each other. I did not agree with this choice, personally. Literally, the next line I wrote is, I think this change in the relationship is one of the biggest missteps of the film. <laughs> so we are on the same page on this one. Oh, it okay, is, good. It is not a good change. I don't think it worked at all. For exactly the reason we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Because we lose the balance. Yes. Because we have this tension and like 
lack of connection between Charles and Sophia, the whole movie is darker mm-hmm. and more tense, and we don't have the light to balance the dark. Yes, I agree. So, as we've mentioned, this movie has a breathtaking cast, especially the women. Gillian Anderson, Christina Hendricks, Amanda Abington, and Glenn freaking close. And the movie doesn't exactly strike a spark, despite all of this overwhelming talent. Mm -hmm. Um, It wants to be a film noir in a way that, you know, he's a private eye, which is not the case in the book. You know, the movie, we're introduced to the mystery by this you know, mysterious, beautiful woman in his office, a femme fatale that he can't trust. There's the layers of lies and deception. Um, but it it's a little overboard with the ominous Yeah, it's like they wanted it to be a Dashiell Hammett novel instead of an Agatha Christie novel. Right. Which, and I'm like, you know, just do a Dashiell Hammett novel. Exactly. It doesn't feel like Agatha Christie. No. Um, so with our young lovers carrying all this baggage and tension, the rest of the story is off kilter. But uh, off of my grandstanding, back to the movie. <laughs> uh, Charles consults an old friend at Scotland Yard, Terence Stamp, about the potential cause of death, and we see a flashback to happier times and kissy face between Charles and Sophia. Oh, I didn't. I wasn't a fan of the flashbacks. Well, Charles was because the next day he's decided to accept the case and he's <laughs> and That's he shows true. up at her house. Um, yeah, there's clearly like postcoital kissy facey going on, which whatever. So Charles <laughs> Charles drives up to an impressive and imposing gothic manor, which does not in any way, shape, or form look like the crooked house described in the book. God. So not in a the crooked film, house. crooked house is just a metaphor. Ugh. Oh, um, do they ever mention the name of the house in the film? I couldn't find that anywhere. I don't think so. So it's called Three Gables right. in the book because it's literally yeah, like three, three houses yep. stapled together. Mm-hmm. And in the movie you couldn't really call it three gables because it's got like 20 gables oh my god it's like the nicest cricket house you would ever it's see uh charles is greeted upon arrival by glenn close with a shotgun <laughs> playing the impressive nice. force of nature that is on edith and probably the most egregious waste in this film mm-hmm. uh i I really want to see the version of this movie that deserves glenn close's performance yes like if you can imagine like what kind of movie would around that performance feel appropriate Mm -hmm. that's a fantastic movie oh my god she was incredible it's not the one they made nope charles meets the other members of the family and wanders the mansion in due course we meet sophia's parents julia and jillian anderson's wig and julian sands (laughs) her aunt clemency and uncle roger (laughs) did you just snort i did (laughs) i had to bring it back to michelle Yeah, Jillian Anderson, again, like, she is a force of nature, and I love her, and she's, you know, her wig is... Oh my god, so distracting. I don't know if it was distracting, or if it was just like, well, it was a bold choice. I found it distracting, myself. I don't want to see the movie worthy of Jillian Anderson's wig, how about that? That's fair. Maybe that's the movie we saw. I think that is. (laughs) Worthy of Jillian Anderson's wig, not Glenn Close's performance. (laughs) Uh, Jillian Anderson is, is divine as Magda. I have no yes, complaints about her performance. No. Um, other members of the family he meets, Aunt Clemency and Uncle Roger, played by uh, the wonderful Amanda Abington and Christian McKay. And, of course, Christina Hendricks' best Marilyn Monroe impression as the young widow, Brenda. I just want to interject um, on Amanda Abington. I don't know the specifics between her and Martin Freeman splitting, 
but he was stupid. Oh my god, he was stupid. Don't make Martin Freeman mad. He's the most powerful man in British film and television. I don't care. He, but he's, but he's. I still like him. Oh, okay. No, you don't want to bring up Bilbo. Yeah, no, you don't want to bring that up. Don't bring up Bilbo. Um, look, we don't know what happened. That's no what I said. No one can know what nope. happens between and two I'm people. Sh- they seem like they're it- getting along, but he's still stupid. <sighs> I, I just, there's so much emotion now. There's, there's so much tension in this room right now. I don't want to take sides. I don't want to, like, jump to his defense, but I feel like I have to because you're, like, blaming him. And we don't know. And Rupert agrees with me, I think. I think that's what that means. And you want Rupert to agree with you? Exactly. I don't, I don't, I'm not comfortable with where I am right now. I feel like I'm in a crooked house. I'm just going to finish talking about this mediocre movie. Okay. And then I, I, rather than complaining about Martin Freeman, I would really like to complain about Julian Fellows. So let's get to that point. So much of the investigation unfolds as it does in the book. Red herrings abound. The unsigned will, Roger's financial problems, the potential love affair between Brenda and the children's tutor, and cryptic hints from youngest granddaughter, Josephine. And I actually want to ask you, Sam, if you remember this. There's a red herring in the movie that I don't remember from the book where Charles is being followed, and it turns out that the CIA and Scotland Yard are both interested in Leonides because of his business dealings, and Charles, like uses his CIA friend to try and trap the guy who's following him, and it turns out to be a guy from Scotland Yard who's been assigned to him. Is any of this in the book? I didn't remember it. No, this wouldn't be in the book because in the book, he's actually there on behalf of Scotland Yard. Right, so there's nothing about the CIA. No. no. That, yeah, it's all unnecessary. Yep. So <clears throat> then Charles is back at the house, but he cannot leave in the evening because his car won't start. Dun, dun, dun. he's forced to stay the night which leads to my favorite scene in the whole movie the family dinner oh my god i love this movie this scene. this scene is fantastic so it, it does feel like a scene from a play um you know it's it's a everyone's trapped in the room um there's all of this long-standing history between all these family members who've known each other forever and and there's so much simmering just below the surface but the veneer of civility and english manners forces conversation and feigned politeness and it's just delightful to watch all these wonderful actors just forced to be in a room together mm-hmm. um, if I was teaching an acting class I would assign eight people to do this yes scene. like that would be a great great scene for an acting class I totally agree um at one point Aunt Edith asks what are murderers like and Charles says they are like everyone but they share some traits vanity distorted morality lack of empathy and feeling above the rules that govern ordinary mortals it is similar to an exchange Charles and his father have in the book, but by, but by putting the question in Edith's mouth, it allows on Edith's wonderful quip in return that it sounds like every member of the family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Aunt Edith. The next day, the mechanic tells Charles that someone took the starter cable from his car. Uh, do we ever find out who did that? It was Charles. It... He set it up so he could stay there himself. How did I forget that? It's a mediocre movie. It's a mediocre movie. I think I may have fallen asleep during part of it. I don't know. <laughs> I literally I was writing my notes, and I was like, I don't remember how we resolved that. No, and he, I don't even care. Charles pulled it out of his pocket and said, between you and I, and he gave the guy money, too. <sighs> yeah, it was stupid. It, it was totally Julie Pillows. Uh, anyway. Yeah. 
Charles doesn't so much solve the murder as read exactly what happened in the killer's diary that spells out absolutely everything and leaves nothing to doubt during a thoroughly unnecessary car chase that ends in a fiery explosion, <gasps> just as Christie intended. At least in the yeah. book, Charles admits that it should he should have seen it because it was all right there. Well, and you know what else I like about the book is that because he is working with his father mm-hmm. as like his his father keeps saying things like you have to watch Josephine, mm-hmm. and his father clearly suspects that something's weird is going on with that girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in the at the very end, like Charles admits to his father who, um, at the end of the book, Charles actually admits to his father that Josephine was the murderer, and his father's like, duh. <laughs> I mean, he clearly didn't I say that, I, but... I, can you do that in a British accent? Not without embarrassing myself. Well, that's why I wanted you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just... I just... I, they... There's so much wasted opportunity with this movie, and it makes me angrier than a bad movie. Mm-hmm. A, a bad movie that just is bad from beginning to end is more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. This one is just frustrating so frustrating and i remember like you like you said earlier like we were like you especially like you were excited i was excited we were both really looking forward to seeing this we love agatha christie it's a great agatha christie Mm -hmm. novel and i don't know that it's been adapted i had never seen another adaptation of i haven't i don't think i've seen one and so we were like something new yeah let's let's do it and it was there's like four different versions of ordeal by innocence but none of crooked house no none and like it's one it was like her favorite book so I was curious. I was so excited to see what they were going to do with it, and this is what we got. And I was just like, wah, wah. Oh, all right. Why do you think it hasn't been adapted before? Like, what makes this one challenging? I think who the killer is. I think. Oh, because it's because it's, a, it's a, Yeah, it's a 12-year-old girl, and not everyone is up to the challenge of handling that. Hmm. Not saying that Julian Fellows did that, but. You um, know, considering. All right, so I actually really enjoy Gosford Park. Oh, me too. But if you think of Gosford Park as a murder mystery, it's mm-hmm. a terrible murder mystery. Yes. As like a character exploration mm-hmm. kind of meandering. As a character study, I think it's yeah. fabulous. And again, fantastic cast. Yes. The the tension between Helen Mirren and everyone else. Maggie Smith? Who played her sister? Uh, Maggie Smith was the aunt. And the sister is Harry Potter's mother. I can't think of the actress's name right now. It is. It's Harry Potter's mother, though. Helen Mirren's sister? No. No, no. I'm thinking of Kirsten Scott's sister. Yeah, Harry Potter's mother. Yeah, no. Helen Mirren's sister sister is... Oh, I have no idea that actress's name. Oh, Eileen Atkins. Oh, okay. <sighs> Sam, it's Eileen Atkins. Everyone knows that. Oh my god, I was I was really <laughs> mad at myself. Um, but like, like the interactions between all the characters and just the, it's so good. Yeah, for that reason. But again, yes, like you're like saying, like as a murder mystery, it falls short. Yeah, it's not subtle. No, it's it's it's. So if that is, like, an example of what Julian Fellows thinks a murder mystery should be like, then clearly we shouldn't have anticipated anything better. That's fair. And it's not – and I, I know I'm picking on Julian Fellows, but the man has won every award imaginable for Downton Abbey. Like, he can afford to have one person criticize. 
right? It does work once in a while. Well, you know, honestly, and to be fair, I didn't realize it was Julian Fellows who had written it until we started watching it and I saw his name in the credits. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw his name in the credits and I went, oh no. Yeah. It's going to be really pretty and boring. Yeah. I mean, I know we mentioned it before, but when Simon Callow plays him in... (laughs) How do I do it? (laughs) He's so spot on. It's so good. So uh, (laughs) go on YouTube. Please look up um, the Red Noses special of Downton Abbey, which is probably 10 years old at this point. Yeah, it's the British version. Well, all of the Red Nose specials are British, aren't they? Well, there's Comic Relief over here now, which is some oh. tie to, it. yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't pay attention to what Americans do. <laughs> so the Red Nose special, it's a just fabulous, funny people doing, you know, a parody of Downton Abbey. Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman plays the mean maid, and she's mad because her she's, hair is just knitting. Yeah. And she's got a mop on her head. Um, and it's... Uh, 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 Jennifer Saunders playing the Maggie Smith character. Uh, Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall, <laughs> who is so funny as um, the as the mother, and then of course um, they have Simon Callow doing Julian Fellows talking about making this show, and he's like, "How do, how I, do, do I do it? I have no idea." And it's just it's it's delightful. So our our impression uh, is almost as good as Simon Callow's. Yes. Look it up on YouTube and watch, like, you the actual will. Simon Cowell. Yeah. It's slightly better. And Bates is always falling down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so... Oh, and, um, I, and I loved that show. It, it was... I loved it, too. I'm not 100% invested in the movie. I'll see I'm, it. Matthew Good's going to be in it, so we're going to see it. Oh, I do love my Matthew Good. Oh, and you should also watch Ordeal by Innocence, speaking of, because Matthew Good is in it. Well, there's multiple Ordeal by Innocence adaptations. The latest one. But the most recent... It, was it a film? no no it's a three-parter miniseries okay um it is on also free on amazon prime and it's got matthew good and bill nye oh yeah bill nye Mm -hmm. so so good it's definitely worth watching the miss marple did an episode of ordeal by innocence a few years ago which is also really good very different take very different um again miss marple not a character in the original original book but they kind of shoehorned her in. Yep. But uh, Richard Armitage is in that one. So <sighs> I would recommend oh, it. Oh, wait. Is Richard Armitage playing the Matthew Good part? Yes, he is. Oh, that is a Sophie's choice of which one you want to ch- Richard Armitage. Oh, clearly. <laughs> like, that was Sorry, not a Matthew Sophie's Good. choice. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sophie. No, I'm just kidding. It's the sexiest dwarf. Oh, God. Huh. Okay, I feel like there was an actual podcast you were trying to do. What were we? What was uh, the next thing? I think we're ready for some fun Thanks and games. For t- listening to th- oh yeah, time. <laughs> it is time for fun and games. <laughs> we know how to do this. Uh, do we? No. no. Uh, all right. So I think it's time for some heartthrobs and hairdos. Um, so I thought I would just jump right in with my top three hotties, if you don't mind. Please do. Who are your top three hotties, Sam? So clearly, <laughs> you gotta stretch first. <laughs> I do because clearly Jillian Anderson, mm-hmm. even in that wig. Oh yeah, she, she makes was it work. fantastic. Glenn Close, mm-hmm. totally. And then I feel like this was because I had to, because of who his parents are. But Max Irons. You know, I don't usually like point to someone and say I would sleep with you because who your parents are. I'm just saying that's, like, kind of an odd way to choose. I'm not saying that I would sleep with him. I'm just saying he's in my top three hotties. 
Maybe you and I have different definitions of hottie. I can find someone attractive and not necessarily want to sleep with them. Well, I mean, I'm not sleeping with any of these people, but it's like, oh, well, we're in a room, and all right, okay, the door so is locked. What do you want to do? I can't do Julian Sands because he was in Warlock, and I'd have to go with Richard E. Grant from that movie. I can't do Roger. Yeah, I'm not good. Um, I would do Amanda Abington, but I don't really like her character. Yeah. The, but that's the, the point of the character. Yes. Yeah. Um. Clearly, I'm not going to do Terrence Stamp, even though he's awesome. He's too crazy. <laughs> With that hair and that look. You know okay. what I'm talking about. Um, Eustace and Josephine are just too young. Oh, wait. What was And the no sh- nanny. And Yeah. Well, poor Janet Rowe. <laughs> it's the bottom of everyone's list. What was the terrible joke that Terrence Stamp made? I mean, the character made that we had I to like, stop and rewind. That, that it was like they found, they found clippers. They found the gardening shears. And he just had this look on his face. But he made some joke about, like... He was so proud of himself. He made a pun about... He made a gardening-related pun. And, he, and yeah. then had a look of, like, I've made a pun. Uh, and you're just like, oh, Terrence Stamp, I'm so uh, proud of but you. I, but I... Yeah. All right, but Terrence Stamp is also fabulous because he was in Priscilla, Adventures, Queen of the Desert. Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. How Sorry. did I forget that? Oh, um, I was just talking about that movie last night, too. But, yeah, so it was really process of elimination. I just went through the entire cast. So I had a different approach, which was like, I don't have enough people. <laughs> like, Well, I've been doing that the last couple times, and I felt like I couldn't do it anymore. Well, this time I did. Even right, though there's a lot good. of beautiful people in this movie, I had to be really honest with myself. Like, who, like, if one of these characters, like, kissed me, who would I be like, Oh, that was okay. Okay. And who would I be like, get your hands off of me. Like, that like was that. my that was like my that. criteria this time. Mm-hmm. So, like, the people I would accept um, a non-chaste kiss from, there's two, Jillian Anderson as Magda. Nice. And is this weird? Her daughter, Stephanie Martini and no. Sophia. I just realized I went with a mother-daughter <laughs> pairing. Um, Some people are into that. It's okay. You know, and it's interesting because, like, I feel like our last episode, Hunt for October, just, like, piles and piles of cute dudes yeah. all the way down. And this episode, I did not feel like any of the dudes really were up to my standards. That's fair. And, like, I'm usually, you know, more on the dude side of things anyways, mm-hmm. clearly. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah, there were not a lot of, um, not a lot of impressive boys. That's t- very true. Look at. I mean, Max Aaron's pretty, but I find him kind of bland. I don't know if that's his fault, though. Um, no, it might not be his fault. <laughs> he didn't know what to do with him. But, anyways. But yeah. All right. That's where I... Oh! Oh! oh. I'm, I'm sorry. I was looking at my notes oh, from uh-oh. the movie. And I found the pun that Terrence Stamp made. <laughs> so they find the clippers in Mr. Brown's desk. And he says that maybe the clippers were planted. And that's the pun he looks so proud about. Uh, oh, but okay. I feel like that's a sign of a fine actor when they can like all you ha- like they can deliver a line like that and then have a facial moment and like that's all you need. I don't know if that's a definition of a fine actor as much as that's a definition of an actor. It's someone who like reacts to the things around well, them. Well, some people might lines. have gone overboard with that little reaction i think we may be giving terrence to slightly too much credit all right maybe but what are your three (laughs) yeah what are your three top styles sam all right so um magda's first dress the black and red one oh with the red stripes it was great yeah um sophia's dinner dress from that dinner scene 
The black lace dress. The black lace dress. Mm-hmm. And then all of Glenn Close's outfits. That was a lot of tweed, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Okay. But she looked fabulous in them, and they really, really gave you a sense of her character. I feel like we're very ambivalent about Glenn Close in this movie. Oh, yeah. We totally are. Like, nobody, uh, nobody will know like how we her. feel. Yeah. Um, Glenn Close, write us. Let us know that you're listening. <laughs> um, so all of my top three styles were Sophia's. Mm-hmm. So when Charles first arrives at the manor, she comes out wearing a blue sweater and a, and a uh, patterned skirt. And her hair is also like perfectly mm-hmm. swept up. And her makeup is amazing. And she just looks fantastic. Um, when Sophia and Charles go dancing, she's wearing a red dress that mm-hmm. is just stunning. And then my third look is her black lace dress. Oh my God, that dinner dress was gorgeous. That was a beautiful dress. Yep. I just, I want like to have a dinner party like that just so I can wear a dress like that. With all okay. that tension. Okay. <laughs> I, I was going to say like, we can get you the dinner party. We can find you a dress. Um, the <laughs> getting, getting a bunch of British people to glare at each other might take a little more work. I'm into it though. If we can make it work. Is this like a for your next birthday we're going to make this happen? Kind yeah. Of thing? Okay. All right. Uh, I have a few months to prepare. Woohoo! Uh, if forced, I'll do an accent. <laughs> you really, really want me to. She read to her daughter in, in accents this, this evening just so she's it doesn't take that much persuading. Okay. All right. <clears throat> to be fair, my daughter brought home a book from the library, which is awful, and I hate it, and she's made me read it to her so many times in the last four days since she brought it home like literally i will read it i will finish and then she'll ask me to read it again and i hate this book it gets like basic facts about geese wrong oh no it's so annoying (laughs) and i needed to do something to keep myself from screaming so i tried to do my best cockney which veered into australian back to cockney again Mm -hmm. i think it was a little new zealand at one point it really was um and i enjoyed it though when your audience is four years old, <laughs> you can you can do that. <laughs> I did once do because I was doing a I was doing a play um, last year where I had to do an Irish accent, and so I I read um, uh, Green Eggs and Ham right entirely. I Irish remember accent. all these. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember these. Yeah, yeah. Which I actually thought that was really good practice. It was. My I'm Irish accent is better than my Cockney. <laughs> I mean, isn't anyone's? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Some people's Irish accents are terrible. I've never heard Sean Connery do one effectively. Okay, he can't do anything but Scottish, so that's not fair. <laughs> and his Scottish is honestly <laughs> subpar, too. I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. I think Sean Connery is faking it. Oh, he totally is. <laughs> Excuse us, sure, Sean, sir, sir Sean Connery? Uh, we don't think you're Scottish. You can come off it now. Sir Sean Connery is clearly from Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, um, man. Uh, do you have any questions or questions? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know anymore. You're scrolling a lot, so. I, I don't, I didn't put things in the right order in my notes. Why and... would you do such a okay, thing? Okay, so am I doing first the quizzes and questions? Yes, you are. Okay, great. So, Sam. Yes. If you were in the Leonidas family... Would you rather oh God. get all the money and be the new fixer of everyone's problems or inherit nothing and run away to Barbados to start an orphanage? Uh, clearly the first one. Okay. <laughs> you, you would take the responsibility with the cash? Well, yeah. I don't like kids, so <laughs> why would I start an orphanage? <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> so... 
But then you'd have to have a bunch of adults who were basically acting like children and will never grow up. Yeah, but I feel like because they're adults, I can treat them differently than if they were actual children. Yeah, but they're going to criticize your, your Cockney accent, so it's a trade-off. <laughs> okay, that's fair. All right. Um, I, I don't like my quizzes and questions this week. I'm I sorry? I don't... Well, just like... Do you want me to do mine and then you can come up with other ones? No, because I'm not going to come up with other ones. I just... Okay. I don't know. Just... If you... All of mine are like, if you were in this book, what would you do? I don't know. It's boring. If you were in this book, who would you kill? <laughs> if you were in this family, who would you kill? <laughs> that's... that's what, I'm going to make that one up. If you were in the Leonis family, who would you kill? Useless. Yeah. I didn't even have to think about Use- that one. You mean useless? Ah... So useless. Oh my God. I think I would kill Nanny. <laughs> I think I would kill Nanny too. <laughs> All right, Sam. Yeah, what are your quizzes and questions? Let's do yours. Okay. I mean, mine aren't good either, but what is? <laughs> Julian Fellows, damn you. All right, I'm going to start with that one first then. Um, has Julian Fellows always been this terrible and I just didn't realize it? Or has he just gotten too bloated? Oh, I choose. Right? Uh,. Without his filmography in front of me, it's a little hard to, like, piece that together because he must have started somewhere. I mean, there is the whole... I mean, he's like, he seemed to, like, explode onto the scene with Gosford Park. And then I, mean, I think... did he us. Yeah. I'm sure he had stuff before that. Did he do Wicker Park, too? Or what was that? Something... Wicker? Was... Wicker Park? Oh, I'm thinking of Wicker Man. <laughs> the very... The bees! The very bees! Um, he has worked as an actor too i know oh, that that's right yeah, but that's see. fine that's something different um i don't know what else because i feel I like down abby started out super good super strong and like while i still enjoyed all the later seasons they seem to become more and more of a soap opera with each yeah. additional season no i did you know what he i don't see a lot of writing credits before gosford park actually Nothing, nothing that I've, there's only a couple, and for some reason they all seem to feature young British boys in sailor suits, so that's apparently a thing. Oh. Okay. You know, there's a, I'm just, I'm looking at IMDb. Well, no, I, but. And like his earliest writing credits, there's something called Little Sir Nicholas, and there's something else called Little Lord Fauntleroy. Well, that's an actual story. I know, but it's just, this is the trend. I'm a little worried now. It's best not to investigate yeah. too deeply into yeah. people's psyches. Yeah. Uh, did you watch the From Time to Time? Um, I did. I did. So that wasn't too bad. That it was earlier, though, right? Ma- yeah, but it had a lot of the same people. It had Maggie, Maggie Smith, Smith and yeah. Hugh Bonneville. It was short. It was like a movie. And that's why I feel like if he had tried to stretch it into a TV show, it would be... Oh, I'm sure he would have. it would have been bloated. Yeah. So, I don't know. Right. It's hard to say. I, I think he struck success with Gosford Park, and yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Look, there's a lot of good to come out of some of the work he's done. I was just saying, I wanted somebody better for Crooked House. That's all, oh, that's all. Okay, yeah, yes. yeah. Crooked no, House I'm, makes me sad. whatever about him, but no, this movie. <laughs> You know, he's going to die eventually, and then you'll feel bad for criticizing him a little. Won't you? 
We'll just say yes and move on. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it's my fault for bringing it up. <laughs> um, okay. So I have two more questions. Okay. I'm um, ready. Were you shocked by the reveal of the murderer when you first read it? No. I mean, she does plant some pretty obvious clues. I don't think that I necessarily was like, oh, it's definitely Josephine. But I was definitely thinking she was an option. And mm-hmm. it, it just seemed like the most interesting choice. Yeah. And, and like, I, I appreciated that because... I'm I'm a jaded 21st century woman, so the idea yeah. that a child could murder does it's, not shock no. me. I feel like when this first came out, though, maybe it was like <gasps> maybe. But I've seen a lot of Lifetime movies, so I know oh, that yeah. 12 year olds can kill. Oh yeah, I mean, and we grew up with that, so yeah, yeah. Wait, with Lifetime movies or with no. kids that kill? With kids that kill in real life. <laughs> what school did you go to again? <laughs> terrible, terrible children there. Yes, no, no. Uh, um, last question. So many adaptations of Christie actually now change who the murderer is in order to keep mm. things fresh, like we talked about. Yes. Um, do you think they should have changed her for this one? Absolutely not. I think Rupert has an opinion. Rupert, stop. He's had a lot of opinions. He's tonight. had a lot of opinions. He's very opinionated. Um, I don't think there's any other solution that feels as satisfying. Mm-hmm. I mean... I guess maybe Nanny did it. I don't know. Nah. Why would, I mean, she's like the least reason. Yeah, right. It can't. Clearly, if if Brenda or Lawrence did it, that's that. That doesn't make. It's it's too obvious. Yeah. I spent so much time in the book, explaining why everyone wants it to be them, but it can't be them. Yep. Um, I mean, I guess. Oh, actually, you know what? There is something in the book that isn't in the movie, which is that. Um, in the book, he had uh, Aristide had eight children, and only two of them were surviving. Yes, Philip and Rich- Roger are the only ones left, but all of his other children died youngish mm-hmm. before he before he died. Which I almost thought they were going to do something with, mm-hmm. and they didn't. So if they had, if they had, if the reveal had been that like Edith's been bumping off his children one by one over Ooh, the years, like whenever they disappoint, whenever no, but whenever they disappoint her, because yeah. I don't think Edith is in it for the money, but Edith has this very I could see twist, twisting the story so that it's about her need to control the family mm-hmm. and her need to um, be the the matriarch. And so kind of this, anyone who, who betrayed her or let her mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Alternately, if it turned out that um, Aristide had murdered his children mm-hmm. when they let him down and then in revenge, Edith killed, killed him. him. Yep. I could see either one of those being an interesting choice. That works, yeah, because, I mean, the whole, like, in the book, they go into it, and not nearly as much in the movie, but, like, Edith hated Aristide, like, wanted nothing to do with him when her sister married her, married him, but when she died, that's when Edith was like, I need to step in and... And And raise this family. Yeah. And so I'd like, I feel like that would work. They're very strong personalities. Yeah. Yeah. So if it turned out that he had somehow caused the death of his, the deaths of his children over the years, Mm -hmm. and Edith found Finally, out yeah. and took revenge I could that totally actually that could happening. have been interesting yeah it doesn't explain why nanny you should write a new adaptation i'm not going to i'm <laughs> just not <laughs> but someone could and just credit me and right, give, give me 10 percent of, of the royalties yeah. and we'll be fine yeah we'll be fine totally. julian fellows i'm waiting by the phone fyi we have a better idea for you <sighs> you should take this movie back take it and redo it we don't usually do that they don't usually no. let you, like, just do it again. Not once it's been published. No. 
All anyway. right. So um, we have a new game today. Yeah. Oh, this is exciting. I'm so excited. Um, so when we first watched this movie, we were feeling the way we were, and so we were trying to make it better. And so we thought, what if everyone except Glenn Close were a Muppet? <laughs> How would this movie How improve? How would you make this movie with Muppets? Um, so, Anna, do you want to give us sure. your Muppets? Yeah, sure. So one of the things I did struggle with is that there is clearly a gender disparity in the Muppets. There's way more male Muppets than female Muppets. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love Jim Henson, like, you know, product of his time. Mm-hmm. And most of his puppeteers were, were male, so it's... Even the female characters are usually played by male puppeteers. Yeah. So when a, a pl- with a movie like this that has a lot of women and a lot of strong, big, major female characters, it did make things complicated. So I decided to uh, throw gender out the window about halfway through. <laughs> so there's some there's some gender things that mm-hmm. you know I maybe I don't know if they would play it in drag or mm-hmm. I don't know. So um. I decided, I was torn about this, but I decided that Miss Piggy should play Magda. Me too. Oh, you did? Yes. See, see I, before you were thinking maybe Miss Piggy would be Brenda. No, I changed my mind on that. I felt okay. like Miss Piggy's, um, her need to be the center of attention. Yes, sensibilities were fit yeah. much more better with Magda now. Okay, than, so we're on the yeah. same page yes. there. So I have, I have Miss Piggy as Magda, um, and uh, because of that, I have... Philip is played by Kermit. Yes. Which, you know, he does play the the put upon. You have got to stop, Rupert. You are not cast in this movie. You're not you are not a, a Muppet. You're not a Muppet. You're barely a cat. So Kermit would play Philip. Um, so instead for Brenda, I went with Janice. Nice. Because I was actually thinking, like, mm-hmm. it's my life, okay? And I'm I just like going to marry Aristide, and I, mm-hmm. didn't, I wouldn't kill him. Like, I could see it working. Um, I cast uh, Pepe the Prawn as Brown the Tutor. Oh my god, I love Pepe. I love Pepe. I did not kill him, okay? <laughs> and, uh, um, okay, this might, this might work, it might not. Um, I would cast Roger as, uh, I would have Roger be played by, uh, Beaker and Clemency by Bunsen Honeydew. Did you look at my notes? No, wait, did you have the same yes. thing? Yes. No, I did not look at oh your my notes. God. Are we just that good? I think we're just that good. <laughs> um, well, okay. And then I would have Josephine be played by Rizzo the Rat. Oh, um, that's who I needed Rizzo to be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yep. then Nanny would be played by the Swedish chef. Nice. I like and I it. might have Rizzo and Drag and Nanny just not just just the Swedish oh, chef. Yeah. Oh they're, yeah, they're one servant who raised them as the Swedish chef. Like, I love I might it. Just keep him as is. I love it. Um, and then I think the last characters I have are uh, Charles would be played by Gonzo, and Sophia would be played by Camilla. Seriously? Yes. Oh my God, that's me too. And then Inspector Taverna would be played by Sam the Eagle. All right, we had the exact same cast. No, wait, you had some. You must have someone who's different. No, well, because I I didn't do um, Brenda or the tutor or Nanny. Oh, you didn't have them at all. No, I didn't have them at all. I can't believe you had Beaker and Bunsen Honeydew as well. I did. That's really strange. I mean, I believe you. (laughs) And you have you have Sam the Eagle for Chief Inspector Taverna too. Yeah. (gasps) Oh my goodness! Wait, we have the exact same cast. We have the exact same cast. (laughs) Oh, and you know what I just thought of? What is I would have um. Oh, who's the gopher? Why did I just forget his name? The gopher 
in the original Muppets. Um, no, I'm, I know who you're, I'm trying to think of what his name his is. His uncle owns the theater. Oh, crap. And they added a sister in the Muppet In the Muppet Babies. Muppet Skeeter. Babies. Skeeter would play Eustace. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yep. So that game was fun, but apparently we need to <laughs> think outside the box more. I mean, or it could just be like the Muppets clearly ha- it can't just, fit it's in It's easier all to the, cast them yeah. than you'd think. It's, it's, it, it, the it's roles, good. it does, it, it, I, it casts itself. It really does. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, do you have any fake awards? I do. Um, this may be controversial or could be unsurprising, depending based on the conversation, but I felt the Jeff Goldblum Award should go to Julian Fellows. Okay. <laughs> Um, I gave the Jeff Goldblum Award to Terrence Stamp. That is also accurate. (laughs) (laughs) The Jeff Goldblum Award. It's never wrong. It's never wrong. It's never wrong to give it. It, No, it never is. Do you have any others? I have two more. Um, So the I Love Gillian Anderson Award goes to Gillian Anderson. I really (laughs) want to be her when I grow up. Okay, good luck with that. Yep. I mean, she's been, she's fantastic in everything. Yes, she is. Stella Gibson. I want to be her. Wow. Okay. Um, and then the award for least Cricket House goes to the movie's Cricket House. <laughs> um, I have one more award. The How Do I Do It Award goes to <laughs> Julian Fellows. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, it's amazing. <coughs> All right. So mm. I think we've got through everything. <laughs> I, think we, I think we've ripped Julian Fellows a little. A little. We can save a little of that betrayal for the next adaptation we do of his. I'm sure we will. (laughs) Okay. But in the next episode, moving on, we'll actually be investigating the disappearance of a young girl alongside Michael Bloomquist and Lisbeth Salander and Stieg Larsson's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I'm excited for this one. Me too. I am. Wait, but you're like... You're, like, terrified, though, aren't you? I'm a little bit, yeah. Okay. It'll be fine. It'll, It'll be, be great. Fine. I know. We'll be watching the 2011 version starring Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara and the fantastic Stellan Skarsgård. Skarsgård. I just needed to say his name again. And that, and that is the reason why that's the adaptation we're doing. Yes. Just so we can say, say Skarsgård. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> so that's something to look forward to. Yay. Um, if you like our show, the best way to help us is to spread the word. Please rate and review. Tell your friends, coworkers, and distant relatives how great Adapted with Anna and Sam is. We're awesome! We think we are pretty cool. Um, and let us know what you think. We want to hear from you. Send us your questions, your comments, and your six degrees to adaptedwithannaandsam at gmail.com. Or post them on Facebook. You can also find us at Adapted with Anna and Sam. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Adapted Podcast, and let's just keep this conversation going. Or the jokes are tearing Julian Fellows apart. Or whatever. It's it's all the same thing. (laughs) We're here for you. We're here for you. Thanks for listening to Adapted with Anna and Sam. I'm Anna, and I wish Back to the Future was based on a book. Oh. I'm Sam, and I wish Fatal Attraction was based on a book. (laughs) Bye. Bye.